I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Welcome to this week's episode of the Wocast. As always, my sister from another mister joins me. My Cody, it's G. What's going on? What up, Mike? First and foremost, thank you for dragging my black ass out of Twitter spaces. They done gave me Twitter spaces. And y'all, I was late to fucking podcast because I was yapping with the homies in Twitter space until Michael called. So thank you, Michael. <laughs> what was the hot topic? It looked like you guys were really into it. I mean, I, I obviously didn't pop in, but, you know, meet me calling you. You, gotta, you were in the midst of conversation there. You got to join my Twitter spaces because I keep it MMA 100. Like, it's we're not really clucking about, like, nothing else. So it was fun. And we would just talk about Yuri, you know what I mean, um, Dominic Reyes, the upkick, every, And then we even talked, we even gossiped a little bit. Apparently, Latori left Mike, Mike uh, Perry. He's in the streets of Miami looking for what? a party because Latori left him. Yeah, you got to join Twitter spaces. Man. Well, there's no surprise yeah. there. Come on now. Nope. Yeah, we had a lot to talk about, Mike, even though the prelims were a little lackluster. The main and co-main event and the main card wasn't too bad. So, yeah, come on, let's be more honest than that. The entire card was lackluster. <laughs> I don't think in terms of star power, we were going to be bowled over by what was on show. And normally, like I say, that the normal mantra is for Dana to say, you goofs, you have to actually watch the fights before you start dismissing and dissing and, and actually yeah. casting them aside. But no, just as we thought they'd play out, they actually played out. But, you know, before we even get there, though, I have actually not joined your Twitter spaces. You probably have noticed that I have not been as prolific on Twitter as I normally am. Yeah, um, where you been? Part in a um, boycott, which started on... Uh, Friday afternoon in the UK, a lot of the big agencies, whether they be football, um, MMA, or um, other agencies um, who are front-facing in terms of public-facing, BT Sports being one of them, mm-hmm. have actually um, kick-started an initiative where we are actually coming off Twitter until Tuesday, and that is Tuesday the 4th, May the 4th be with you, um, because... Twitter and basically all of the social media um, companies haven't done as much as they should to actually protect those who are actually voicing their opinions um, online. So typically you'll get attacked and typically you'll get attacked because of your race. What we're finding, and you wow. know this yourself, is uh-huh. you are getting attacked because of the color of your skin. You're getting attacked and you're getting racially abused and that isn't on. And Twitter seems to not be as diligent and not be as, um, I would say, efficient as they should be to actually, you know, put people in their place, take away accounts, actually delete accounts or suspend accounts where people are being um, overly negative in in a racial and basically a racist manner. So yeah, a lot of the big agencies, BT Sport, as I say, being one of them, um, football 
um, outfits and organizations as well as journalists, media owners have actually come off Twitter uh, with all the public facing side of it, i.e. the timeline um, until Tuesday. So I've joined that. So hence the reason why I've not been loading it up on the timeline or actually joining spaces. But come Tuesday, uh, hopefully I will be, well, no, hopefully I will definitely be back on the timeline, but I, I'm 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 surprised that it hasn't actually reached your shores. That there was this kind no. of protest. We obviously um, need to shout about that a little bit more loudly. Yeah, you sure do. I had no idea this was going on. From what I'm hearing, though, I'm like, I support you in this cause, and I always support anyone that takes a break for any reason for social media. You know, and also big tech companies. I support you in not supporting them as well. I know you don't fuck with some social networks now because you don't support them but isn't this bt sports isn't this the same company that every time i see them online they're always talking about diversity but then when you look at the photo they have like maybe one black person in the photo or none is that the same company that's the same bt sport but yeah to their credit bt sports as a company as a whole have um, put forward this idea, this agenda that they need to change the narrative in terms of representation that happens in front of the camera and behind it. But Mm. in terms of BT Sports in the way that they handle their UFC programming, I've not seen any changes there. If anything, I've seen more white faces in front of the camera. And I don't know what's happening behind the camera. So a part of me says, yeah, bravo, BT Sport, in what you're doing to recognise that, you know, we do need to do or you need to do more in terms of representing those faces and representing those voices and representing those um, talents that actually appear not just in front of the camera but behind it but another part of me especially on the UFC front says you need to do a lot more because I don't see any changes especially when we look at what's going on in front of the camera like I say perhaps they need to be credited more what they're doing behind the camera but I don't see but Mike if if you're doing more I'd hate to interrupt, but Mike, if you're doing more behind the camera as far mm. as cultural inclusivity and diversity, that's going to show on camera. Does that make sense to you? If you it have makes, black people in the, sense. yeah, if you have black people behind the scenes, they tend to show up on on the scenes as well because they're back there making sure that they're included. So, I mean, just keep that in mind as you, you know, as you give them the benefit of the doubt of behind the scenes. Just keep that in mind, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm not impressed. And um, when I say, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I say this with my chest, front of camera, they have quite a few. And I would say, okay, they are, um, in, in terms of like public recognition, um, notable names and they are recognisable faces, but there are recognisable faces and notable names that um, come from a more diverse background. And now Mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, more recognition needs to be and more effort needs to be poured in that kind of like sphere and reaching out to those people, particularly when they've been quite loud, particularly when they've been quite vocal and in line with what they've been doing recently with regard to, you know, ensuring that people know that they are anti-racist. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of work to do, Mike. And also one last question. Are we ever going to be free? The fuck? Every no. week we're talking about this. <laughs> no, you're right. And for me, this is an ongoing and a, a cyclical um, argument and point that we will be talking about year in, year out. I really mm-hmm. do feel for there to be changed, the talk needs to be translated into the walk. And so far, yes. I'm not impressed with the walk. It's more like a hop, skip, 
and a jump as opposed to an ongoing incremental change which you would get from a walk yeah i agree i agree we got a lot of walking and talking and work to do mike before we get any progress but i'm here for it so are you so me and you yeah exactly yeah say me and you both but you know both. <laughs> before we get to the ufc um action which took place over the past weekend i think it's only right just to quickly make uh reference to pfl which took place on friday as well we saw the red king back in action um and then um, put it this way Rory McDonald uh, didn't look any different from the last time we saw him I mean he was definitely on point taking out god I, I, hold on the, hold on hold on Mike let me interrupt yeah. you when you mm. say that does that mean killer instinct Rory still didn't show up I missed this fight by the way well put it this way he, he finished he got it he got a sub and for Good. my money um when you look at uh, Curtis Millinder, he is a credible threat. This wasn't someone as a gimme. This wasn't somebody who was actually thrown at um, Rory McDonald as, a, as an easy foe. So, you know, the, the fact is he, he is finishing people. And I, I like the fact that, you know, it does look as though he's discarded this old, this, uh, well, this all well, this notion that, you know, he's a man of God and um, maybe fighting isn't for him. You know, he's kind of like, it looks as though that part of his transition has actually, well, I suppose, taken a long walk. Thank God. I, I personally <laughs> miss the heathen, the devil worshiper and the serial killer that we had in the UFC. But I am a firm believer that in his fight against um, Robbie Lawler, it took some damage off of him. And then on top of that, he had his almost like religious transition that he had to, yeah. you know, he had to face the fact that he's a God rearing, loving, peaceful man at home and in his personal life, but then to pay the bills, he has to inflict damage and hurt people. So that's, you know, a lot of us scoff at that, but that is his struggle and his motherfucking business. So it's good to see him balance that and, and be successful in PFL. And it's a beautiful submission. I just pulled it up. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Lovely, lovely submission. But moving on to Saturday, um, you would have probably seen on the timeline before I went on my Twitter hiatus on my uh, Twitter ban, Mm -hmm. um i did a lot of like uh interviews in the lead up to derek jazora versus joseph parker i wanted to um do more in terms of conversations with boxers particularly in light of recent um debacles at which we, which we've seen where mm -hmm. you've got boxers who fancy their arm at mma they want to actually take out and challenge mma uh, practitioners but you've also got MMA practitioners people like Francis Ngannou calling out the likes of Tyson Fury so I was particularly keen to get Derek Chisora's um, Joseph Parker and Chris Eubanks take I mean these are all like professional boxers these are all yeah. big names so I was really intrigued as to how they felt around the whole notion of um, mixed martial artists calling out boxers and you know if what'd you learn well, if, 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 if people haven't actually seen my interviews, I actually posted them on my Twitter timeline. What yes. I learned is that um, they're laughing at us, G. People <laughs> like Chris Eubank was, uh, first of all, quite pointed in his comment by saying, look, there's two things that uh, you guys have going, have going against you. You've got um, this notion that because you do a little bit of stand-up, that that holds you in good stead, that puts you on a level footing with us boxers. It doesn't. Secondly, 
you are poorly paid in terms of your expertise and what you bring to the party by somebody who seemingly has a uh, monopoly on the game, i.e. Dana White. And that, again, counts against you as well because you're going into it for the wrong reasons. Your motivations are all wrong. And um, I have to say, I don't know what you think of his kind of perspective or his opinion, but I personally think he's right. No, he's 100% correct. I mean, it doesn't really take... I'm glad that you sought out, you know, the, the experts and I'm glad that you learned a lot. But Mike, I mean, you don't really have to. You know what I mean? I just feel like when MMA fighters call out these boxers, it just it just seems like the impoverished sport is calling out people to try to make, you know what I mean? Like they're trying to make an extra buck because they don't get paid well in their world. And they even know. And the sad part is, is that it's not because they honestly think they're better boxers. It's just literally, they're going to get a bigger paycheck and have more eyes on them. And there's a huge possibility they're going to lose. And they know it. Why? Because they're not boxers. They have mm. not put in the time that Eubanks and all these other famous folks that you spoke to have put in for boxing. So it's even a losing fight sometimes when they cross over, but they want the money. And I think it, it's, it looks embarrassing, but I get it. That's what underpaid employees do. They look for a bigger paycheck. So it, it is sad. It, yeah. it, you know, it looks bad. But I get it. You, Mike, yeah. if you were getting underpaid in the UFC and, and you could maybe do a crossover fight or what if you could do what Connor did, you'd do it too. Exactly that. I would do exactly the same. And, you know, yes, you to, his, to his credit, um, he did come up with the goods. Chris Eubanks Jr. defeated Marcus Morrison via decision. But it was a new and improved um, Chris Eubank that we've never seen before. Somebody who wasn't ferocious in terms of trying to finish within, you know, an allotted time um, that he'd agreed with himself before getting in there. This was somebody who was more about boxing. This was someone who was about showcasing skill, showcasing accuracy and showcasing devastating power. So it was great to see the new uh, Chris Eubank Jr. who, um, I have to say, under the tutelage of Roy Jones, looks formidable. I'm, I can't Good. wait to see what he does next. But before do we you... kind of like finish with the boxing, um, sorry, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, because um, it's so funny. I just listened to the last episode of Shots Fired that I was not on, much to my dismay. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a great episode. But I do remember the tidbit Chisanga said about the father and son duo here as far as the Eubanks. Do you think the father needs to fall back and let the son come into himself as uh, Chisanga suggested last week on Shots Fired? What are your thoughts? And it's funny that you say that because, yes, I do think that does need to happen. I do think that Mm -hmm. this strutting peacock nature of Chris Eubanks Sr. needs to fade away now. I feel as though the same conversation that we had, I mean, you heard in the interview, I had the same conversation that I Mm -hmm. had with him many years ago in that, you know, he's his own man. And I do feel as though that's actually happening now because on um well the, the fight just gone Chris Eubanks senior is very much in the background as in an audience member he was sitting in the audience as opposed to strutting in his corner and peacocking and you know preening um his son his prized possession he was very much um out of the picture out of the limelight it was all about Roy Jones Jr basically just doing his job and Chris Eubanks Good junior taking instructions and he took Mm. those instructions well like I say he executed the game plan which was firmly established there but yeah 
in short, I do think that um, Chris Eubank Sr. taking a back seat was one of the best things that actually happened with regards to this new and improved transition that we're seeing from Chris Eubanks Jr. Good. I love to hear it. And I think that's exactly what needs to happen. And it's good to, to know that it's just not something being discussed and that we're seeing it happen. I firmly agree with you and Chisandra. Yeah. And again, yeah. moving on to the conversations that I was having with Derek Gizora and uh, Joseph Parker, I mean, we touched very, very lightly on this whole notion of YouTubers coming into the world of boxing and uh, MMA. And um, they had some quite positive things to say or balanced things to say. I mean, Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker both were the same mind that, look, it's not actually hurting the sport. If anything, it's bringing eyes to it. It's actually um, a, a, a fun aspect of it. No, they won't be fighting for any world titles soon, but to actually bring an audience and bring traction to what essentially is, um, you know, I, I suppose you know, playing second fiddle to UFC at the moment in terms of traction, in terms of eyes and product, isn't a bad thing. So they both had quite positive things to say about it. Yeah. Equally, Derek Chisora, as you probably may have seen from his recent interviews or even videos that he's put out featuring Michael Venom Page, he's very much uh, keeping his eye on what's happening with mixed martial arts. And um, he keeps talking about you know, transitioning into mixed martial arts, possibly joining Ooh. Bellator for a matchup or two. And um, I put it to Joseph Parker that maybe, you know, this might be him checking out. This might be him. Maybe so. I firmly on the ball and, you know, sure his eggs is eggs. This is what actually transpired in the, uh, the matchup, which actually uh, ended with um, Joseph Parker winning a, uh, well, decision win. Now, to be honest with you, looking at that mm -hmm. fight, looking at what just Derek Chisora, who dropped Joseph Parker in the first round, um, I'm not entirely sure that he has checked out of uh, boxing because, you know, to actually floor Joseph Parker in the first round, I think it's formidable. I think it's a phenomenal feat and it's not an easy thing to do. So I, Correct. I would be very, very surprised if we do see Derek Chisora in MMA anytime soon, considering how he actually fared against Josie Parker, who, like I say, is a fearsome opponent. But yeah. enough about boxing. It's time that we actually transition into what we are um, known for in what we're actually uh, talking about this week, and that is UFC Fight Night Reyes versus Prohaska. Now, in the time-honored fashion, I'm just going to bring a couple of um, the prelims to the table. I'm going to um, start off with Luke Sanders and Felipe mm -hmm. Clark. Now, for me, they opened the card and I loved the fact that I thought that this was going one way with Luke Sanders actually landing some serious body kicks and like consistently mm -hmm. so over Felipe Calares. But no, the tide turned and the tide turned very quickly with the decision win that um, Felipe Calares was actually able to rack up. And what I liked about this is, you know, this card didn't look too sexy it wasn't full of uh, <laughs> no. the, the name brand names the popular names that we uh, come to know and love and um, this was a nice opener because it made me feel okay you can't really judge this card by what we see on paper and um, yeah this was a really good way to actually open up the card what did you think oh yeah I like I like this fight to open up a card it was just what we needed to kind of get us into this, you know, MMA mindset, perfect opener. Um, here's what happened to me, Mike. I think Luke blew his load in the first round. I think um, 
I don't know. I agree with the commentators. Slow down. Pick your shots. Fight like a veteran. You know what I mean? Like, slow it down. And Mm -hmm. you got a lot of muscles. You're going to gas yourself out. And he's known to do that sometimes. So I was kind of surprised that he kind of blew his wad or kind of lost it in the first round. But what surprised me even more is the grit of Felipe Colares. I mean, he took a ton of punishment, but he kind of ran off with the second and third rounds and got some takedowns when they were necessary. He showed grit. He was landing some awful shots himself while taking punishment and he snuck out with the win. And I thought that was pretty dope. And he said he was going to use the money to help with his mother's cancer treatment. So what a cherry on top, you know, lovely story at the end for that. And Luke can always come back bigger and better, but shout out to Philippe for the grit and then also taking care of his mama after the fight. I love it. It's only right that we uh, give you the floor to actually come in with your thrilling talking point. Oh, yeah. Then I'm going to jump to the free, the featured prelim, which is, um, hold on, let me, I have the main card up. Hold on, let me jump. And featured prelim, yes, Ronda Marcos versus Le- Liana Pinheiro. And let me say this, I love this fight, but I hated the outcome, which was a disqualification on Randa's part because she yeah. upkicked this woman so hard. Mm. And poor Liana did not see it coming. But prior to the upkick, I liked Ronda's aggression. I like that she was coming forward trying to fight this woman and putting Luana on the back foot. But here's the thing. Luana was striking and moving backwards and landing really hard shots. And I loved every second of it. And then as soon as Randa tried to clinch up with her, Luana was like, take this bitch. I'm going to toss you on your head. And she <laughs> tossed her so many times. I mean, God it's like damn, a this girl. I loved it. I felt like I was like watching a video game. And you know, when you finally learn a combination and you know when to use it, like, boom, take this ABC down. That's what she did. Like she knew when to hit that combination and she was doing it every time at the right point. And it was making for such a lovely and entertaining fight. And again, Ronda Marcos, hard worker, Mike, three losses in a row, now four of Luana. And then she was disqualified. Love her hard worker go back to the regional scene or maybe do something else with your career. It's not working out for you. And also the kick to the face was, I don't care what y'all say, unless you've been kicked in the face like that, you're a professional fighter, maybe a former cop or somebody that's like been in fist fights. You have no right telling her like she was faking that. You don't know what went on in there, how hard she got hit. You don't know shit about concussion protocols. You've probably never had a concussion. I'm kind of tired of MMA fans being like, oh, where's the Academy Award? Where's the Oscar? You don't know shit. Leave the girl alone. She got hit in the face and let her recover or whatever happened to her. And I agree with the disqualification. Randa kicked her in the face. The fight was over. Mm. And she could, Luana could not continue. Rhonda is disqualified. Those are the rules. Mike, your thoughts on this uh, debacle of a kick to the face? Well, you're right. A lot of people have chimed in and said, you know, well, here's your Oscar for best performance. Yeah, and a that. lot of these people, exactly. A lot of these people are eating Cheetos in their mom's basement and have never thrown a kick and have never thrown a punch or having to defend Thank you of those blows. So I don't know really where they're coming from. Speaking Another of the regional circuit and speaking of the need to go back, I do feel that does need to be the next time for KB Buller. Now, I imagine that he is on a three-fight deal. Let's just call it what it is. Look, he came in, what, 8 and 0. Oh, and um, now... For real? Eight, yeah, he came in 8 and 0. Oh. Now, remember that he came in as the um, the opponent for... 
Oh God, I, 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 I know Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze. I was about to say Chisanga's going to murder me because I butchered this <laughs> on Shots Fired as well. No, no, I got. He came in as an opponent to Shots Fired. At, that was Shots Fired for Tom Breeze, and I mentioned. Did you smoke weed fire. last night too? You're <laughs> met, like, I'm, I'm still a little, you know, high. What, what, what's going on with you, Mike? But go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but. He came in um, as an opponent and, and a gimme, I, I would say, for Tom Breeze. Now, I reckon this is why we saw this matchup. And that's why I said on Shots Wide in the week mm-hmm. that this is why this matchup is so low down on the card. It's because I think the matchmakers thought that this would end in a KO as well. Andreas Michalides, he's, um, I, I think he's on a bit of a roll at the moment. But not only that, when you compare them in terms of caliber, in terms mm-hmm. of how battle-tested they are and what they've done in the past, uh, Michalides is clearly the superior fighter. So I was surprised, to be honest with you, that it, it actually went to a decision. I was surprised that Andreas couldn't get him out of there. I was surprised. Me that, too. You know, um, it looked as though KB Buller, this is what it looked like. It looked like three rounds of sparring. It looked like it, he was in there with no killer instinct, with no worries or how he was going to finish. He looked as though... Out of place. He, he was... You, you took the words right out of my mouth. He was definitely out of place. So going back to the regional circuit is definitely something I would advise for him. I think that, you know, the next matchup we see him in more than likely will be a UFC matchup. More than likely will end in the KO. and More than likely will end yeah. back on the regional circuit. I'm all for fulfilling your dreams i'm all for you know trying to realize your potential but now nah, this is way too much too soon for somebody of kb buller's cat and, and and let's not forget let's not forget mike too when you're not of ufc caliber it's also quite dangerous for you to be fighting in the ufc yeah you're more prone to getting concussed hurt injured you know like seeing stars like and let me tell you kb buller looked like someone that was just out of place he <laughs> Looks like someone that like when the UFC is not on and I watch other organizations that are a little bit, you know, regional, maybe deep in, in Mexico somewhere or deep in the South. That's where he should be fighting. Yeah. Um, I was not impressed with his performance and I thought he looked a little like uh, amateurish. I'd hate to use that word when we're talking about UFC fighters. No, also, you're, right, though. You're, you're being. Yeah, I think that. so. You're being very kind. He did look amateurish. But anyway, sorry, I cut in but, there. You're right. No, no, no. That's okay. I, I cut you off like every day. It's your turn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Andreas, though, too, I love like his flurries and that like these little bursts of rage that he had in these like, these hooks and stuff. But like finish the dude, bro. Like focus. You have somebody. What do we always say on, on the WOCast? or shots fired. If the UFC gives you a fastball down the middle, whether you, you figure that out before the fight or whether you figure that fight while making in-fight adjustments, yeah. kill the guy. Mm. Kill the guy. They've given you a, a fastball down the middle. You knock it out the fucking park. This guy just was content with just beating this guy up, you know? And it was like, no, 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 go for the finish. Kill him. Yeah. Finish him. So I was a little dismayed with that. But nonetheless, give him another fight. Maybe he'll get that killer instinct in his next fight. But KB Buller, if he fights one more time in the UFC, he's going to be a sacrifice for somebody. Yeah. Or a, a late COVID replacement. And again, a, another sacrifice. But I prefer to see him on the regional unit um, circuit because he can get hurt fucking around with UFC caliber. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. What's Any next? more from the prelims before we move on to the main card? I mean, shout out to Loma Lukabumi for winning. I love her. I love watching her perform, and she's going to be someone that's going to grow in our eyes. I love Kai Kamaka versus TJ Brown. If you're looking for a good matchup, Mike, 
evenly match up and a back and forth. I drop you, you drop me fight. Tune in for that one. And I think we can move on. Okay. Main card. Um, again, decision ridden um, mm-hmm. in terms of what the two decisions draw. Um, but the KO and, and uh, main talking points for me was the um, co-main and main event. But I just wanted to give the floor to you if there were any before we get to the co-main and main event that you wanted to cover. Yeah, I liked the Marab uh, Dishavili fight versus um, Cody Stamen. I liked it. And the reason why I liked it is because Cody Stamen, although he lost a unanimous decision, he brought the fucking fight and mm. he brought something out of Marab which was striking. And I loved it. I, we finally got to see a very sharp uppercut. Every time Cody um, tried to come in, there were some uppercuts thrown. There was some nice flush shots. And you were just like, hey, I didn't know Marab had these type of hands. And I think if you watch the fight closely, Mike, you can see Cody react too. Like, what the fuck? I wasn't expecting that. You're the guy that tackles everybody all fucking night. Yeah. And, I, and what I liked about it too is that Cody has some wrestling. And he made Marab work for this fight and show his hands. So it's an interesting fight. But of course, Marab, walked away with the win he's got he he's just a worker he's weaponized his cardio and not for nothing he's on a hell of a win streak so it'll be interesting to see who he fights next and i say we step up his competition they'll never give him a sean o'malley type of kid because he might steamroll him but i'm really curious as to see what they do with him and if people start avoiding him because he's getting you know to be problematic here with his takedowns and his cardio so yeah we, sh- we shall see what happens but i'm not gonna lie i was so deep in the boxing that from the main card i saw the co-main and the main event only so if yes. i was to actually go back and re-watch what would i go for would i go for ian uh kutalaba and justin uh dustin jacoby or sean strickland and uh christoph jocko or uh marab Rob Dishavelli. Let's just go with Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> um, struggling with the with the surnames. I don't know what's wrong with me. I Cody think you Stamen. smoked weed last night or got contact. <laughs> I think so. But um it's all good, Mike. I did so too much um, Valentine, I think. Right. <laughs> well, Sean Strickland, uh Christoph Jotko, uh, pretty good fight if you're a Sean Strickland fan. I think he just showcased his improvements, his jab, his patience. He's turning into like this nice veteran boxer. And Christoph just couldn't put it together. He was out of range. And it looked like a bad sparring session for him. Like things just didn't, weren't clicking in that fight. And Sean took advantage of it. Ian yeah. Kutalaba came out like the Hulk that he is. You know him in the first round, Mike. He goes berserker. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he starts to slow down. But this time he started to slow down. But he still had the wherewithal to give Dustin a good fight. And Dustin gave him a good fight. But it ended up in a decision split. It was a draw, basically. So, man, man, you know, you know that how that goes. But talk to me about what you thought about Giga and Cub Swanson. What a kick! Huge statement, massive statement by Giga Jacetti. Because when you think about it, look, battle-tested Cub Swanson, killer Cub Swanson. Personally, I feel he needs to revisit and maybe reinstate that name because seeing him take that kick like that and the the the, the sound that he made. This isn't the the Cub Swanson that we know. This isn't the killer um, that I've come to know and love. And um, I'm not going to lie, I was really shocked because going into this and especially i know that look records are for djs 27 and 12 against yeah but they say a lot they say a lot yeah yeah but i i was still shocked are you telling me that you weren't surprised by first of all how that was ended but 
the caliber of Cub Swanson up against Gigi Chikadze. Now, are you telling me that you thought that it would end in the way that it did? No, I actually picked Cub Swanson to have a veteran savvy performance similar to his performance against Cron Gracie. Like, mm-hmm. I've been doing this longer. I have more experience than you and I'm not bad and I have power in my hands and I'm also a good fucking wrestler. Meanwhile, I only know Giga from glory that I know that liver kick. I've seen it before, but I want to see somebody test him, you know, in in a mixed martial arts arena, as far as like takedowns, mixing it up and also a smart fighter like Cub. And that is why I picked him. I did not think that Giga was going to come out, give cub no room to implement his veteran game plan and just straight up just go for the body and give him that signature giga liver kick which is something he's known for folks so when he hit cub with it that's usually typically what happens he knows how to get his foot or his shin to that side of the body where the liver is and shuts you down and that and i'm sorry I've been watching MMA long enough to know that was planned. That was part of the fucking game plan. Mm. But it was beautiful, Mike, because Cub Swanson, fun fact, has only been, what, knocked out or TKO'd, whatever, twice, including the last night, the loss to Giga. So it was huge that a newcomer like Giga could do that to somebody like Cub. It says a lot. Hasn't he named it or hasn't somebody named that? Because you're right, it is a recurring theme. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I heard that somewhere. Yep. It is because it was something he was doing in glory. And finally that geek is here in the UFC. Now we get to see him evolve as an MMA fighter. Yeah. Now I'm not, I'm not, you know, going to dick ride too hard on him yet. Cause you know, I, I want to see him progress and I want to see the UFC develop him. And I don't want to see him rushed. I think we have something special here. If they do it right, let the guy develop and, and fight more guys like Cub Swanson and get a name for himself and see what he does. He's on a hell of a tear right now, Mike. I think in the UFC, he's what one, two, three, four, five fight win streak. That's pretty good for the UFC man. Nice. So yeah, so let's like progress this guy and see what happens. Let's give him the Sean O'Malley treatment. Sean is getting unwrecked people, yada, yada, yada. Let Giga have a little fun and develop and see what happens. But we'll see what the UFC does. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. main yeah. event. Dominic Reyes mm. and uh, Jerry Prohaska. Now, again, because you oh, were Lord. in uh, the midweek edition of Shots Five, you wouldn't have seen the carnage. You wouldn't have seen the fallout. You wouldn't have seen the argument and the, the, the cross looks that I got from a certain Mr. Kairos Bodley when I brought up the fact that, look, Dominic Reyes, <laughs> I'm not really that impressed with. Secondly, I'm not really impressed by the fact that you know, he's making a big deal of questioning himself in interviews, making a, a big deal about having to reassess his game plan, having to really dig deep psychologically. And it made me, it made me fear for him going into this because with that mindset, you're already half defeated. You'll know that half of this game is psychological. Uh, it's yeah. all about psychology. Now, going into this, I said he, he is basically going to be on the end of somebody who is ferocious, who incidentally looked a little bit like Goro from Mortal Kombat. Everyone keeps saying that in my mentions. And I'm sitting here like a dumb bird, like, who's Goro? But I'm saying, LOL. You know what I mean? Like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he was channeling his, his, his Goro. When you looked at what happened with that spinning elbow, I mean, that was a finish. I mean, he was out. Dominic Reyes was A double out elbow. Yeah, out oh. before he actually hit the floor. Absolutely and how, phenomenal. 
How about before the spinning elbows that like Dominic was landing some nice counters in the first round, but Jerry didn't care and ate them and then made the adjustments for the second round to come out and to demolish him. Mm. And Mike, can we discuss how psychologically what that must feel like? First of all, you're facing a man that looks like he's from the Viking era, like the the (laughs) true Viking era one, that fucking haircut and extensions in his hair. And then the guy, he straight up looks like, a Viking for real from Norway, but he's not. He's a he's just a UFC fighter with a with this beautiful record from Ryzen and these other organizations. And then, Mike, back to how scary he is. He's eating Dominic Reyes' shots like it's nothing, yeah. and then like he's just stalking him down. And then his unpredictability,ness his unpredictable. Like I can't even talk. I'm stuttering. It was just I was afraid. I can imagine how Dominic felt. And then Dominic had to backpedal to get away from him. And before you know it, Jerry ended the fight with that beautiful, perfect timed in the perfect place elbow. And I think that's the only third spinning elbow in UFC history. This is this guy's second fight. He's breaking records. He's only 28, Mike. I think at some point he's going to sit at the lightweight throne. I'm just going to say it right now. He's going to be champ. Am I out of place when I was talking about his caliber and when I was talking about being unimpressed by him? You, 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 uh, rein me in because as I say, Kyros I'm not was very, very vocal. Kairos was very, very upset and he was adamant that, you know, we were going to oh. see a dramatic win here. Mike, I'm not reining in shit. In fact, I just cursed out Kairos in Twitter spaces because I had listened to Shots Fired and I heard what um, Kairos said. And by the time I was done thrashing Kairos in Twitter spaces that you interrupted, Kairos was like, I deserve every word. And But in Kairos's defense, for those that picked Dominic Reyes, you weren't wrong to pick him. Why? Because his counter game is so good. And Jerry is the perfect person to counter because he eats shots. He's not the most defensively sound guy. And he comes forward. He eats shots. He doesn't eat them too often. Like if you hit him with a straight left, you're not going to hit him with that again because he makes adjustments. Now you might hit him with another punch, but he'll adjust to that later. But in the meantime, he eats motherfucking shots. What does Dominic do best? Counter. So a lot of folks was like, Dominic is going to counter him. But those are the folks that didn't pay attention also to Jerry's record. They didn't pay attention to the fact that he made Ozdemir uh, seem small. Yeah. They didn't pay attention to the fact that, yes, he eats shots, but pay attention to the shots that he's eating. He makes adjustments to them very quickly and he wins. And then also notice his KO record. He wins most of his fights by KO in the first round. Yeah. And he's been fighting in Ryzen. I picked him to do this to Dominic Reyes. I really, I'm, I'm not shocked by this, even though I don't know much about Yuri. And Mike, let's go back to your point about Dominic Reyes. Mm. Who was his greatest win? Ozdemir, which was the closest fight, right? Yep, that's right. That's right. And then he had a close decision. fight. A split yes, a split decision. And then he, and then he, he called out John Jones and none of us were convinced, but he still got the fight. And then guess what did he do? He fought John Jones, a declining John Jones, and he had a close fight with him. But remember, it was a close fight. He still took the L and then he yeah. ran with that close fight. He made it the defining moment of his career. He wouldn't get over it. He harped on it in interviews. He got cocky, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He changed up shit in his corner. And then he was different cocky. He was riding that win with John and then Jan beat the shit out of him. Yep. Sorry, it was too soon. His route to um he had a good fight with John Jones, but his route to John Jones was too fast. And now we have exposed that. And I think 
it was a mistake for him to make that close fight with John Jones, his defining moment. That's why I'm not reining it in, reining you in, Mike. You were 100% correct. And Kairos, unfortunately, was wrong. I'm patting you on the back. Vindication, no doubt. I'm going to try and think of a way, obviously, to revisit this when we uh, we have yeah. tried. And I will have your back if you re- yeah. revisit it because I'm petty and I'm going to bring it to Kairos. Like, <laughs> I picked Yeri. Yeah, me and you, we knew what we was talking about. We picked Yeri. We saw that scary Viking and knew that Dominic was in trouble. And we knew that Dominic's route to his John Jones wasn't all that, you know, it was meh. But his counter game is six. So we, we, we allowed for the title shot. And then he wooed us with that fight. But all in all, Mike, was he really that good? Well, you see, that's why I asked myself. For me, I was really impressed by, um, obviously, the Chris Weidman KO. Yes. The last time. The countering. Somebody um, in his last, what, last six fights. Now, for me, um, in hindsight of what I just said there, who is Mm -hmm. Chris Weidman these days? I mean, glass chin. Somebody struggling. We're talking about. Right. Somebody struggling really bad. Even yep. in his last win, it was not even tantalizing, entertaining, or nothing. It was a Chris Weidman past his prime, eking out a win by going to his fundamentals, which is his wrestling. That's not someone that makes you think he's going to fight for a title. And Dominic Reyes smoked him as he should have. He's younger, faster, smarter in his prime. He should have beat Chris Weidman. Yeah. And then OSP, he's a better fighter than OSP. Of course, he smoked him too. But, you know, it's it's just similar to the way Chris Weidman, to me, got his title shot to mm-hmm. Anderson Silva. There's certain mm-hmm. people they beat up stylistically that works for them, and then they get a title shot. And I think that's what happened with Dominic Reyes. And then he had that close fight with, with John Jones that just had him thinking he was the shit. And yeah, yeah. Jan, Jan was like, nah, man, styles make fights, and you're a little too cocky from this last fight. Remember, you have to come through me to get through John again or whoever you want. And Jan beat him up. Mm. And I'm sorry he ain't been the same since. And Yuri is not that type of dude you play them games with. I'm sorry. It's going to take a special dude to beat him up. Sorry, totally you agree. know? Yeah. No, totally agree with you. You're, 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 we are definitely on the same page. And yeah. We're getting along today, this episode, yeah, right? Again. <laughs> yeah, it's a family affair today, Mike. I like this. Usually we be beefing. <laughs> <laughs> That about wraps up this episode of the Wocast. As usual, you can connect with us over anything that we've discussed on this episode on Twitter. I'm at Mike Woe TV from Tuesday. And uh, where can people find you? They can find me at Just Gina MMA. And I just got Twitter spaces. So let's talk MMA. And I'm strictly MMA. Don't bring no panky panky, you know, garbage to my Twitter space. We talk MMA. 